0: Hello there, fabulous derby person, it's A-Bomb. You uh, ready to dive into the updated WFTDA rules of 2017? Before we do that, please note that I, A-Bomb, do not represent the WFTDA organization in any way and this is meant for you to listen to while you read along with your own copy of rules or maybe enjoy a road trip or whatever you want to do. I won't tell you how to live your life. I'm not your real mom. Now that we got that out of the way, let's do this. Welcome to Section 4, Penalties. When a skater commits a rule infraction or a foul, a penalty may be assessed as a punishment, handicap, or loss of advantage. Penalties are applied to both a skater and the position that skater is currently playing. Officials signal and enforce penalties and warnings as they occur during the game. Penalties should not be assessed for actions that have little to no impact on the game or the skater's. The following types of penalties are addressed in detail in the sections listed below and in the Rules of Flat Track Roller Derby Casebook. These sections hold specific examples that are to be followed explicitly. Illegal actions that do not fall cleanly into one of the categories below should be penalized using these descriptions and examples as guidelines. If one skater's illegal action causes an opponent to unavoidably commit another illegal action, the opponent will not receive a penalty for the unavoidable illegal action. The initial skater should be penalized if the initial illegal action has sufficient impact on the game. 4.1 Contact Penalties Gaining position on an opponent or causing an opponent to lose position to another teammate due to illegal contact is always considered to have sufficient impact on the game. 4.1.1, 4.1.1. Impact on an illegal target zone. Making contact to an illegal target zone should be penalized based on the impact it has on the target. See 2.4.2. You can see the little skater diagram there. Illegal target zones. 4.1.2. Impact with an illegal blocking zone. Making contact with an illegal blocking zone should be penalized based on the impact it has on the target. See 2.4.1. Using an illegal blocking zone also has sufficient impact to warrant a penalty if the contact puts an opponent significantly off balance or significantly alters their trajectory or speed. For example, significantly holding them back. Teammates who form a wall by linking or grasping or who otherwise form an impenetrable wall thereby become an illegal blocking zone. This action warrants a penalty if an opponent attempts to get between them and fails to do so to the illegal formation. You see... Another diagram, illegal blocking zones. 4.1.3, unexpected contact. Initiating a block is legal when a skater is moving counterclockwise in play, upright, and inbounds during a jam using legal contact zones. Other contact may be dangerous because it is unexpected. Accordingly, skaters cannot initiate a block while down, out of bounds, out of play, stopped, or skating clockwise. Skaters also cannot initiate a block on opponents who are down, fully out of bounds, or out of play. Skaters may initiate a block on an opponent who is straddling the track boundary, stopped, or skating clockwise. 4.2. Game Structure Penalties When the basic rules of the game are violated in a manner that would give a team an advantage, the individual or team who violates the rule should be penalized. A team gains advantage if an illegal act results in an opponent becoming or remaining unable to block, a gain of position or a teammate's gain of position. The game flow being altered. 4.2.1. Rendering an opponent unable to block. When a pack cannot be defined, all blockers are unable to block. Accordingly, if a skater's illegal action destroys the pack, or if a skater's actions prevent or delay the reformation of a pack, that skater should be penalized. It is illegal to adopt or maintain a position in which one cannot be blocked. Skaters may not intentionally leave the track, nor may blockers intentionally leave the engagement zone. While there are many legal actions that would cause a skater to be put into an illegal position, for example, out of bounds or out of play, intentionally adopting such a position should be penalized. Similarly, a skater who is illegally positioned must immediately act to regain a legal position. If a skater has reason to believe that they are legally positioned, even though they are not, or has reason to believe that they cannot legally return to a legal position, they must be warned before assessed a penalty for failing to return to a legal position. If a skater is not legally positioned at the start of the jam, the skater should immediately cede position to everybody in the vicinity. Failing to do so after a warning is considered to be intentionally maintaining an illegal position and should be penalized accordingly. 2.2.2 Gaining Position It is illegal for a skater to use the out-of-bounds area to gain position on someone who is upright and in bounds. Skaters who are out-of-bounds must return inbounds behind any upright and inbounds skaters who they are behind when they left the track. If there is a pack, skaters who are out of bounds may return inbounds in front of any out-of-play skaters. If there is no pack, skaters who are out of bounds may return inbounds in front of any skaters more than 20 feet from the last defined pack. Skaters who intentionally but legally leave the track, examples include to report to the penalty box or to fix equipment, must return to the track behind all in-play blockers. If there is no pack, they must return to the track behind all blockers within 20 feet of the last defined pack. If a skater is put out of bounds due to an opponent's block, the skater must return in bounds behind that opponent even if the skater was in front of the opponent before being blocked. That opponent gives up his that opponent gives up this advantage if they go down out of bounds or out of play or more than 20 feet from the last defined pack if there is no pack prior to the skater re-entering the track. 4.2.3, altering the flow of the game. All efforts should be made by teams and officials to ensure that the period clock runs according to the rules of the game and that jams start and end as specified. In the rules, any inappropriate action that causes the period clock to stop, prevents a jam from starting, or ends a jam prematurely should be penalized. Officials and skaters should work together to ensure that the game flows according to the rules. For example, if a team with legal means to stop the period clock, specifically team timeouts or official reviews remaining, commits an action that results in the period clock stopping, they should be presumed to have used legal means to do so and thus would not be penalized. 4.2.4 Other Illegal Procedures Skaters who violate the rules of the game should be penalized if the violation has a significant impact on the game. Examples of this are listed in the Rules of Flat Track Roller Derby Casebook. However, skaters and officials should work to ensure that the rules are followed as swiftly as possible and to rectify any illegal or potentially illegal play before it has sufficient impact on the game to warrant penalization. Nevertheless, if a technical violation by one team results in an advantage, this should be penalized. 4.3 Penalties for Unsporting Contact All participants in a game of roller derby must be respectful to one another. This includes but is not limited to skaters, team staff, officials, mascots, event staff, and spectators. When skaters or team staff behave in an unsporting manner, they should be penalized accordingly. Unsporting conduct can take many forms. Examples include deceiving or ignoring officials, engaging in dangerous and illegal actions that pose a real danger to oneself or another, or being abusive towards another person. Other unsporting conduct may also be penalized. 4.4 Enforcing penalties Upon completion of the correct verbal cue and hand signal from an official, the penalized skater must immediately leave the track. Upon sitting in the penalty box, the skater's penalty time begins. Skaters serve 30 seconds of jam time for each penalty assessed to them. The final 10 seconds of their penalty time must be served while standing. If a skater stands early, their time stops until they are seated again. If a skater does not stand in a manner that makes it clear to officials, skaters, and spectators that they are serving their final 10 seconds, their timing stops until they stand. If a skater sits in the penalty box between jams, their time does not start until the beginning of the following jam. If a skater is assessed a penalty but unable to serve it, for example, due to an injury or in equipment malfunction, a substitute may serve in their place once the jam ends. In this case, the skater who is unable to serve their own penalty may not skate for the following three jams. Skaters may remove their mouth guard, but no other protective gear, while seated in the penalty box. Skaters must replace their mouth guard prior to leaving the penalty box. Nobody may enter the penalty box except for officials and skaters who are serving penalties. penalty enforcement for blockers. No more than two blockers for the same team may sit in the penalty box at the same time. If a third blocker reports to the penalty box while two blockers for their same team are seated, the third blocker will be placed in queue. If a blocker is standing in the penalty box, another blocker may sit in the open seat. A blocker in queue may return to the penalty box when there is space in the penalty box, unless doing so would destroy the pack. A blocker must immediately return if instructed to do so by an official. Once a blocker in queue returns to the track, they should be treated like any other unpenalized blocker. 4.4.2 Penalty Enforcement for Jammers A jammer may have their penalty time shortened if the other jammer also receives a penalty. In this case, the two jammers serve as little time as possible so as long as 1. the two jammers serve an equivalent amount of penalty time per penalty, or 2. Whenever possible, given 0.1, there is at least one jammer who is not serving a penalty. Jammers who are to be released due to the other jammer sitting should be released immediately once the other jammer sits. If both jammers sit simultaneously, they will both be released immediately. If a jammer is sent to the box when there is no opposing jammer, for example, because the opposing jammer has an equipment malfunction, the jam will end once the jammer is seated. This ensures that there is one jammer who is not serving a penalty. 4.5 Fouling Out and Expulsions When seven penalties are recorded for a skater, that skater fouls out of the game. This includes penalties assessed to a skater on behalf of someone else. Examples include penalties assessed to the team's captain or a blocker on behalf of their team. Expulsions are a way to penalize a skater or team staff who has committed an act that is sufficiently dangerous or unsporting as to remove the individual from the game for that action alone. A substitute must serve the penalty for an expelled skater. If a non-skater is expelled, the team's captain will serve the penalty when possible as a blocker, but no penalty will be recorded for the captain. In the event that a skater is to be removed from play, either due to fouling out or expulsion, that skater's penalty time should begin as soon as possible. If a skater is removed from the game mid-jam, their penalty will be timed as if a skater were seated even though there is no skater formally in the box. If the jam ends before the time is complete, the skater's team must be given the opportunity to substitute a different skater to serve the remainder of the penalty in the same position as the removed skater. Substitutions may not occur during the jam in which the skater is removed. So there you have it. Another exciting chapter of updated rules for 2017 from the WFTDA. If you have any questions, concerns, anything, um, read them yourself. <laughs> this is A-Bomb. Get low, skate hard. And I'll see you on the track.